Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Thanks for coming today. So we do launch small groups this weekend. I know you've already heard a bunch about it. And i got to preach Struggle Bus to you, and I'm going to get to it. But I can't get to it until I tell you about small groups. Uh, I am so excited. So many different groups are launching. I want to give you just a few. And then when you leave today, don't just rush out. Go find your small group. Uh, our, our team is in lanyards, and there's snacks for you. And just stick around as long as you want. Uh, if I, I tell everybody this. If you're going to go to one small group in this church... If you've never been, I'm encouraging every person in this church to go to a freedom group. This Tuesday night, we launch freedom. We have room for about uh, 50, 55 uh, participants in this particular group. We've never done it this way, but I so believe in this curriculum. And I so believe that you need this, and I'll preach it to you why in just a moment, that I'm actually teaching this, uh, this particular semester. That's a rarity that I get to do that. And we'll be in this room. We'll have uh, teaching, and then you'll be at tables uh, in small groups, men on one side, women on the other side. And we're going we're gonna to settle our yesterdays and move into better tomorrows in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody? So if you've never been to Freedom, that's the group. I was looking through the directory. There's, like, there's dozens and dozens of groups. But I was looking, and I saw the women's bunco group. That's, I like that. I don't even know what that is. It may be gambling. I don't know. If it is, just tithe. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but I would join it. I don't even know what Bunko is, but it sounds fun. Uh, parenting on Purpose. Uh, I, I saw that group. Brandy and I led this small group for the first several years of our church. Um, and I don't have all the answers. I have an almost 11-year-old and an almost 8-year-old. So I got no parenting advice whatsoever yet. Uh, but this uh, curriculum, honestly, it really did help us in the formative early. I, let me just encourage you, if you have young children, uh, I think this is the best uh, series, Parenting on Purpose. And then the last one, I'll just, and again, there's dozens more. I'm just giving you the ones that caught my attention today when I was looking at the directory. Uh, is There's a small group that's watching The Chosen. Have you seen this, everybody? This is an amazing, oh, my God, did you write it? And so, uh, so The Chosen Watch Party, I think it's the, <laughs> it's Mary Magdalene right over here to my left, everybody. Um, so... Uh, I think, that's a, I think that's the coolest small group. I thought that, so there's something for everybody, uh, student groups, men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, co-ed groups, freedom groups, uh, uh, financial peace university. Everybody needs that. Hey, look at me. I'm not a prophet of doom, but there's economic um, instability coming, and you need to be stable. Say amen to that, everybody. You need to be stable, and so a financial peace would be great. All right, let's get into this word. I, I'm in this series called Struggle Bus. And if you don't know what that is, maybe you're new or maybe your head's in the sand, but the struggle bus is what you say when you're just having a hard time getting your life together. Have you ever had a hard time getting your life together? Am I the only one who's ridden the struggle bus more times than you can possibly imagine? You just think, man, I, I thought this could get better. Honestly, there are times in my life when I think I'm old enough to not struggle this way. <laughs> Have you ever said that to yourself? I, I talk to myself, which is... Okay, when I answer myself, but I, I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, dummy, you should be past this by now. You know, you, you should be over this. And maybe you think that that's true in your life. And this series is birthed out of what we call our annual Easter survey. If you're new to our church, for the last six Easters, we 
do what we call an Easter survey. We do it once a year, and it's because all of y'all come to church at the same time. And so on one day, and so we get as much information as we possibly can. And we ask you questions like, what are some topics that you want to hear about? What are some messages that you haven't heard that you'd like to hear about? Or I want to hear a sermon about this particular topic. Six years running without a fail. By far the number one thing for the last six years and probably for the next six is, is I want to hear more about handle stress. I want to know how about handling struggles in my life. I want to know about, I'm stressed out. I want to know how to handle anxiety and fear and worry. And so this series is birthed out of response that you've asked for uh, messages about how to handle the struggles of your life. Now look at my eyes because I, I really felt the Lord gave me a very specific word for this, um, for this series. I have preached about stress, worry, fear. I always will. I think post-COVID it's more. I think you're going to hear me preach this way more than maybe ever in my ministry but there's one word that God dropped in my heart uh, two days ago, honestly, in prayer for today's service that I am devoting an entire message to. I have never done this in 22, almost 23 years of vocational ministry. I have never preached an entire sermon, but I want to I help you through the trauma of your life. I, I really think God wants to deliver you from childhood trauma. And here's what I know about you. It's true about you. It's true about me. If you don't get healing from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. Write that down. I'm already preaching. You're not taking notes. If you don't heal from the stuff that hurt you, you'll end up bleeding in relationships that did not hurt you. Those people had nothing to do with how you were raised, where you were from, what your mother did, what your grandmother said, how your father left. But if you don't let God into those areas of trauma, you'll carry that traumatic experience. Listen, and then your response in in current situations will not be a godly spiritual response. It's because you carry the trauma of a childhood wound that you never let God in on. And I want God to deliver you and help you find freedom. Shout amen to that, everybody. So I wouldn't miss a Sunday, and honestly, I'd bring everybody I knew. I think this is the best series to bring somebody. I always tell you that um, throughout the year. Some series is not good, but this one's a good one uh, to bring somebody to church with you. I hope that you do. Um, I, I, we are more stressed out than we've ever been as a, a nation. I, I ask this question all the time. I ask this of my staff and I ask this of our dream team. Write this down at the top of your notes if you're taking notes today. How are you doing? How, how are you? Not like... Not like Joey from Friends, not like, how are you doing? Not like that, but like, how are you? How's, how's your life? How's your spirit? Let me, let me ask it this way. Uh, how's your soul doing? You are triune in being just like the God that created you. The God that created you is Father, Son, and Spirit, triune in His manifestation, one in His essence. You are created in the same image. You're a spirit that lives eternally that has a soul and lives in a body. You are triune just like your God. Your body makes sense. That's this stuff. Your spirit is what gets saved when you, uh, when you return to God. It's your spirit that returns to God. It's your soul that gives you the biggest trouble. And your soul is where your emotions stay. And if I were to ask you today, how are you doing You could answer it in just one word if I said, hey, what's the one word to describe where you are? Now, some of you, that one word would be a cuss word. (laughs) It's bad. You know, like this, this, this is, I'm not good. Maybe you would say I'm angry. Maybe you would say I'm afraid. Maybe you would say I'm anxious. 
Maybe you would say, I'm irritated. Maybe you would say, I'm numb. Honestly, I can't feel anything. I'm I'm having a tough time feeling anything. Maybe you would say, you're stressed. I hear people all the time tell me when I ask this question, how are you? And they say, I'm tired. Look into my eyes. Tired is westernized cover-up for depression. We've substituted the word depressed for the word exhausted. The fact is, you're not really that tired. You're just really that down. Maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you just feel unsettled. Maybe you feel restless in your life. So many people in church today are battling the balance, or maybe better said the imbalance, of our life and our time and our money and our relationships. In preparing for this message, I found some research by the Stress Institute of America. (laughs) The fact that we have a Stress Institute ought to tell you everything you need to know, right? The Stress Institute of America, just recently this study that said 44% of Americans say they have more stress today than they had five years ago. 44% say they have more stress today than they did five years ago. One out of five Americans, listen, count down your row. One, two, three, four, you. One, two, three, you. One out of five Americans have what they call extreme stress. That it literally comes out physically, shaking, um, your heart racing, uh, your blood pressure rising, not sleeping good, unable to sleep at night. One out of five say this is extreme stress that's coming out physically in your body. 60%, I'm just reading you what I found from the National Stress Institute, 60% of every illness and disease diagnosed in American doctor's offices today are stress-related. Six out of ten. Six out of ten of of everything that when you go to the doctor and you go, here's what's going on, six out of ten times they're going to say the cause of that is stress. Listen to me. We have to deal with the epidemic of our struggles. And we have to deal with the academic of our, the epidemic of our struggles in a healthy way and not in a way that is destructive. Look into my eyes. Alcohol isn't medicine. Netflix isn't medicine. Zoning out every night on the couch isn't medicine. Staying up all night playing video games isn't medicine. As a matter of fact, now listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I don't even play one on TV. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to diagnose you. I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. I'm talking about the majority of you, the 95% rest of us that don't have chemical imbalance. God has to help us with our struggles. If not, we turn to things that just make them worse. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this way? Because I don't want you to be one of these statistics. Because I don't want you to be, I want you to be the kind of people that God can change everything in your life. Do you believe that? Say amen to that. You're in a church today. What, Pastor, why are you talking like this? And why do we preach this way every year? And why are you talking this way? Because I want to give you answers. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a preacher. But I think that the God of this book can do anything in your life. He can deliver you from anything. He can heal anything, help anybody. I really believe God has the answer to the deepest struggles of your life. Shout amen to that if you believe it. Our struggles come from so many different places. Maybe your struggle today is coming from a relationship that you're in. 
Maybe your struggle is coming from who you came to church with. Just look straight ahead. Don't look. <laughs> Maybe your struggle is coming from conflict at work. You think, man, I, I don't know how to get out of this. And I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Maybe your struggle is because you're married. <laughs> Maybe your struggle is because you're not married. Maybe your struggle is because of your deadlines and, 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 and the pressures of work. Maybe you got legal trouble. That's real. There's several lawyers who attend our church. I love you, <laughs> but there's a lot of struggle out there. Maybe you're struggling with world events. Maybe the news makes you struggle. Anybody else been watching the Queen's whole thing? And there's anxious and you're, and you're worried and the economy and what's happening. Maybe divorce has brought you struggle. Maybe a new job. Maybe an old job. Maybe illness has brought you struggle. Maybe just parenting. Can I get a better amen to everybody? My biggest struggle are them two jokers I created. I made them two little problems. <laughs> Maybe you struggle in your expectation of others. I had a higher expectation and you failed to meet it. And now there's a struggle. Maybe you're struggling in unresolved sin. There's something in your life you haven't given to God. Let me pause here and tell you, today's a great day to get it resolved and leave it at the foot of the cross and let God change everything on the inside of you. Say amen to that. Now, i got a promise that I'm beginning this series with, and it's not the kind of promise that anybody writes on their makeup mirror. This is not the promise that anybody puts on post-it notes. You know those kind of people? I'm that kind of guy. I find a verse in the Bible and I write it on my post-it note. Post-it notes speak to me. God's voice often sounds like a yellow post-it note in my life. And so I put them all over my desk and I, I think this is my verse of the day. This is my promise from God. Nobody ever, ever makes this their promise. John 16 and 33, Jesus is talking and he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, everybody shout peace, shout peace. The reason I'm preaching this series to you today is so that you can have peace in troubled times in your life. But here's the promise nobody ever likes to hold on to. In this world, you will have trouble. Pastor, I thought you were a positive kind of preacher. Okay. I'm positive in this world you will have trouble. The biggest misconception of Christianity is when I come to God, everything gets worked out. No, you come to God, you're still the same dummy you were. You still may be married to the same dummy you got married to. You still got the same bad kids you always had. You still have the same job you always had. You still got the same bank account, live in the same house, drive the same truck. I didn't say car because this is Texas. Come on, somebody. When you come to God, trouble doesn't go away. The difference in Christianity and every other world religion is what comes after the trouble. Jesus said, but take heart. That's what I want you to do today. If you don't catch anything else, I want you to wake up to this. That you can take heart. Heart, when your heart feels like it's failing, when stress is crushing you with its weight, when anxiety is keeping you up at night, when depression puts you in a dark cave, you can take heart because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Shout amen to that, everybody. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know where I came from. Is it in the world? 
Yeah? Jesus overcame it. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know who my parents are. Are they of the world? Yeah? Jesus can overcome it. Yeah, but you don't know what I lived through as a kid. Was it in the world? Yeah? Okay. Jesus overcame it. There's nothing in this world that you could ever bring to God and God go, whoo, I've never seen that before. Wow. I've never seen somebody that messed up. Whoo, my God, you really are. God, there's something wrong with you. I, never, 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 never have you ever shocked God off the throne. Never have you ever brought something to God and God go, I didn't know. But every time you bring your trouble to God, God knows, I've been there. I know that. I've overcome that. Every time you bring a hurt to God, God goes, I know that. I've been there. I've overcome that. Every time you bring a brokenness to God, God goes, I know that. I've been there. And I've overcome that in your life. Shout amen to that. Your struggles. God doesn't give you a solution all the time. Listen, most of the time I want God to deliver me out of my troubles. Right? That's what I want. I want God to show up. God, take me out of this. God, whatever, just please, don't let this be. God, just get me out of this. But Jesus didn't promise to deliver you from it. He promised to be with you in it. That's the perspective change i got to get to you on this first week. Is that God may not take you out of it. God may give you peace in the middle of it. There is strength for your journey. There's hope in what seems like a hopeless situation. There's a place you can go in God. Even with your struggle, anxiety, fear, worry, trauma. There's a place you can get in God where God takes it from you. And He's with you in your pain. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah, but God, I got a bunch of trouble. I know. But I've overcome it. But God, I got a bunch of hurt. I know. But God, I can't sleep. I know. But God, I'm worried about my kids. I know. But God, what about the economy? I know. But God, what about my business? I sunk everything we had into it. I know. God, but what about this marriage? It's 25 years and it's still not functioning well. I know. God, but what, 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 what about all this stuff that happened to me? I know. Take heart. I've overcome the world. David said it like this in Psalm 34 and 19. He said, many are the afflictions. Underline the word affliction in your Bible. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out. Of them all. You may ask God, God, what's going on? God, why is this happening? I'm coming to church, I'm serving, I'm in a small group, I'm tithing. Where why why is it happening? Listen to me. It's bad theology to think that as long as I'm doing the right things, that right things happen. That's bad theology in your life. This is a broken world, and the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. There's sometimes in your life that there is affliction. The word affliction in, in uh, the Assyrian language, which is where David is pulling this word out of. It literally is the same word for an Assyrian torture. The Assyrians would take you and put you on a pole and they would tie you to that pole and they would build stones. They would press stones up against your body till they literally buried you alive. It was a stoning. It's, that's, a, that's the same word that David uses here for afflictions. Listen to me. And you may feel like that's what's happening in your life. That my back's against the wall and stuff keeps piling up around me. And I don't know if I can take another stone. 
I don't know if they can pile one more rock together. I don't know. I don't know if I can get through this. Here's the good news I want to tell you today that you may live through many afflictions, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers him out of them all. The closer you get to God, God doesn't take the thing away from you. God gives you ability in the middle of the thing to stand strong. Today, in the middle of your struggle, I want you to know you're not alone. That God is with you. I thought about practical ways I could tell you how to deal with your stress and anxiety. I'm a practical kind of preacher. I like to give you three things if you didn't know that. I like to give you some tools. And I thought, what can I tell them to do to deal with worry and stress? A massage. Come on, somebody. I tell you this often, but there are two kinds of trips that parents take. If you ever hear me say that we took a trip, that means we took our kids. That is not a vacation. That's a trip that we had our kids on. If you hear me say we took a vacation, I left them jokers at home. And me and mama took a vacation. All the parents, are you with me on that right there? Two different things. Somebody talking about family vacation. Ain't no family vacation, okay? There's vacation, and then there's a family trip I took my kids on. So the other day, we were on vacation. Hey! And somebody kind on our dream team had blessed us with a gift card to a spa. We had a full spa day. We had a couple's massage. Brandy likes to talk, and so I had to tell her, you got to be quiet over there, girl. I can't, I can't sleep. She's not in this service, so I can talk ugly. You know, I, man, I thought, massage, that's what it is. Vacation, that's what it is. I could tell them to do that, and that'll relieve some stress. Essential oils, where's all my oily mamas at? Where y'all at? You know, yeah, you devils. I don't know if it's witchcraft. Listen, I believe in it, so I don't know. If it's witchcraft, somebody tell me, okay? Because I believe in essential oils, all right? They're, they're, you could break an arm and Brandy would rub thieves on, her, on your arm. So don't go Google it. It could be witchcraft. I don't know. I'm telling you. But I believe in it. And I thought maybe I could tell you to, to use essential oils or go get a massage or take a vacation. But honestly, look at me. You've tried all that. And the struggle still remains. So if the practical stuff isn't working, I've got to give you some spiritual stuff. Everybody loves to feel good. Nobody likes to feel bad. And everybody fakes how they feel sometimes. And, and I want you to hear this. I didn't put it on the screen, but I want you to hear this. It's not a sin to struggle emotionally. Listen to me. Hear, hear this out loud. I don't care what kind of bad theology you were raised with that you can't question or you can't have a bad day or, 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 or I've always got to be... Po- no, no, no. It's not a sin to struggle emotionally. Listen to me. But it may become a sin to struggle alone. Let me say it better this way. It's not a sin for you to struggle emotionally, but it is a sin when you don't bring that emotional struggle to God and to somebody else. 
It can become sin in your life if you just hold all of that emotional struggle in on your own and think, I can handle it. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. I don't need people. Nobody needs to know what I'm going through. Write it down like this in your notes. Emotional health is connected to who you're connected to. Now, some of you don't believe that, but you have the right to be wrong. Emotional health is connected to who you're connected to. I'll prove it to you. When you're around sad people at a funeral, you don't go in happy as you can be. They're all weeping and gnashing their teeth. No, if everybody's sad, you may not even know who died, but you get sad. You ever watched a movie that way? Guys, don't lie to me. You ever watched a sad movie? So I was, the other day, our new student director is Jordan. I'm, I'm, I hate to tell everybody this because it's embarrassing for you, but I got the mic. But he said his favorite movie was A Walk to Remember. That's cute. You hear all the girls around you go, oh. None of these men are doing that. But have you ever watched, listen, have you ever watched, have you ever watched a sad movie and somebody dies at the end and you're like, (laughs) and it's a movie, you know, they didn't die, right? You understand that? Like they didn't really die. But who you're connected to affects your emotional health, your emotional health. If you're around negative people, you get negative. If you're around dramatic people, come on, everybody. If you're around happy people, you get happy. If you're around offended people, oh God, let me talk to church people for a moment. It's amazing to me in 25 years of ministry, it's amazing to me how many people get around offended people and they don't even know what they're offended at. They just take on the offense of the people they're around. Not y'all, but people at first service have done that. Because your emotional health is connected to who you're connected to. That's why it's vitally important you get in a small group. That's why you got to get around the dream team. That's why you got to be in a church family. I don't tell you all that stuff because I because I need something to do. You don't need anything else to do during the week. You don't need another reason to, to put something on your schedule except your emotional health demands that you're around the right people. And so I need you to get connected to godly people that when you struggle, because there's a promise that you will struggle, when you struggle, you have somebody there who lifts you up. That's why James 5 and 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be... You didn't yell that. So that you may be... Look at me. Not helped. Healed. Some of it... Let me talk to you if you're over 40 in the room. You've settled for being helped instead of healed. You've settled for help with your addiction instead of healing from your addiction. You've settled with help managing your temper instead of healing from your anger. You've settled for help with your trauma instead of healing from your trauma. But God's Word does not promise you help. It promises you healing and your emotional Health is connected to who you're connected to. Because if you'll confess your struggles to each other and pray for each other, you will be healed. 
because you have a part to play in your emotions. You have a part to play in what you can rule your own spirit. Well, pastor, I just can't control it. You can control it. Pastor, I just can't. This is just how I am. Then change. I'm helping some of y'all. Y'all not even going to have to fight it out because I'm doing all the fighting for you. You, Pastor, this is just how I was raised. Just because you were raised that way doesn't mean it was right and doesn't mean you have to raise your kids that way. Pastor, this is just where I come from. Well, you ain't there anymore. Quit acting like where you came from. Act like somebody that got out of where you came from. I'm preaching good today. If Write it down like this. If you're not fighting it, you're feeding it. If you're not fighting it, you're feeding it. If you're not fighting anxiety, you're feeding anxiety. If you're not fighting anger, you're feeding anger. If you're not fighting negativity, you're feeding negativity. If you're not fighting hurt, you're feeding hurt. If you're not fighting faith, you're feeding fear. There's two lions in your mind. There's doubt and trust. There's confidence and worry. Anxiety and prayer. Depression and joy. Positive and negative. Stingy and generous. Suspicious and trusting. And both of these lions are arguing, fighting for your affection and your attention. And whichever lion you feed grows. Whichever one you feed grows. If you feed the trauma of your childhood, look at me, listen to me, it will have existed 30 years ago. And if you feed it, you'll keep it. (laughs) Can I hurt your feelings for 10 seconds? I'm going to anyway. It's just better if you say amen. I've met some people who don't want to be healed because they get too much attention being broken. Look straight ahead. I've pastored not a few people who like the attention they get. Jesus walks by the lame man on the mat. He looks him right in the eyes. He's been lame since birth. Looks him right in the eyes. Kirk, he says, do you want to be whole? What a silly question you ask somebody who's, who's lame from birth. That's not silly. Because if you don't want it, even God can't give it to you. <laughs> if you like all the attention you get laying on this mat, I'm going to leave you here on the mat. Because if I heal you and give your legs strength, you're going to have to get up and be a productive member of society. <laughs> so, so do you want to be made whole? What are you feeding? What are you, the th- write it down like this. The thoughts you feed grow. The thoughts you fight fade. The thoughts you feed grow. The thoughts you fight fade. i got five minutes to give you the Bible story. I figured I'd get to the Bible at some point today. Jesus, don't come play because I'm not finishing, okay? So don't send the keyboard thinking that's going to make me stop because I'm not stopping. (laughs) Jesus has just preached the Sermon on the Mount. He's come down from this, what is the the discourse on humanity and, and human living. He would begin the Sermon on the Mount saying, blessed are those, and then fill in those beatitudes about how to live the blessed life. And he immediately comes off of this Sermon on the Mount in Luke, the seventh chapter in your Bible. Flip there really quickly. And look down in Luke 7, in verse 11. The Bible says it like this. Soon afterward, after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. 
And the people who had been at the Sermon on the Mount, the large crowd followed him. Now catch this word picture. And a funeral procession was coming out as he was approaching the village gate. He's walking in, they're walking out. (laughs) I wish I had time to preach to you today. Because every time you're ready to walk out on God, God's ready to walk into your life. There's a funeral procession. And the young man who died, look at these three words, was a widow's only son. You talk about struggle. My husband's gone. I got one boy, and he's in this coffin. When the Lord, underline this in your Bible, when Jesus saw them, when Jesus saw this woman, his heart overflowed with compassion. There's emotion. He says, don't cry. Verse 14, maybe one of the most dramatic things Jesus did in his earthly ministry. He walks over to the coffin and he touched it. Underline that in your Bible. He touched it. And the pallbearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. If I had time to teach you, I would tell you how Jesus doesn't hand you back things that are a little bit better. He hands you back things that are dead and now they're alive. Jesus doesn't give you a little bit better peace. He gives you brand new peace. Jesus doesn't just build back a fractured marriage. He'll recreate, give you a brand new one. Jesus doesn't just make bad things better. He makes dead things alive. And he hands her back. Great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God saying, A mighty prophet's risen among us and God's visited his people today. Verse 13. Over 40 times in the Gospels, the Bible says Jesus saw someone. But this time was different. When we get home from church today, Brandy will say, we've done this for six years now, 52 Sundays a year. We've, we've done it for a lot longer than that together, but especially since starting this church. And we'll talk about you. Talk about how much we love you and how grateful we are for you. And... Inevitably, she'll ask this question. Husbands, follow me on this. She'll say, did you see, and then fill in the blank, you know. Did you see so-and-so? Did you see so-and-so? And because God created me male, the answer every single time is no. I did not see what you saw. (laughs) I never see what you see. I saw breakfast this morning. I saw the kids, I think. I didn't see what you saw. Jesus saw her. On this opening weekend of Struggle Bus, I want to look you in the eyes and tell you He sees you. He sees you in your pain and your trauma and your struggle. He doesn't just look past you as a name in a crowd, as a face, but he sees you. He sees a widow who's lost seemingly everything now. He sees a business owner in second service today who's stressed about the profit and loss statement. He sees a single mom who's stressed about the ability 
to provide college for her kids. He sees a young married couple who thinks, is this really it? What did we do? He sees parents of teenagers who think, I didn't raise them like this. He sees single adults who say, I thought I'd be married by now. He sees divorced husbands who feel guilt and shame. Single moms who didn't mean for it to go like this. Your struggle is not alone. And the most incredible thing in this story is not that Jesus sees, it's what Jesus does. That's why I love a church like ours where you can experience the presence of God. You don't just come and observe. I want you to engage. That's why we raise our hands, clap our hands, dance, shout, sing, say amen. Some of you have never been to an amening church. You're still not sure about it. Just stick around. You'll like it. He touches the coffin. In Jewish custom, there were 613 Pharisaic laws. The interpretation, the extrapolation of the Torah, they turned into 613 other laws. The Pharisees did. One of them was you couldn't touch a dead thing. You certainly couldn't touch a dead body. You, you, it would defile you if you touched it. And Jesus walks into this funeral. He ruins every funeral he ever goes to. And Jesus walks into this funeral. Listen to me. Look at me. And he doesn't just see. He touches it. My deepest prayer for you today is that you find a place in God where he can touch that part of you that seems dead and broken. That... God wants to touch that trauma that you've carried with you into your 40s. That God wants to touch that little girl who felt abandoned by her father, who's now a grown married woman, still insecure. By the way, I'm prophesying to some of you. You're still that lonely little boy locked in a closet, scared of the dark. Now you're scared to be alone. And he doesn't just see you. He touches you. And he touched the coffin and he gave life back to what's dead. And over the next couple of weeks, I hope that you let God touch those areas of you. I love this about God. I love this about our church. When Jesus touches this coffin, he crosses a line. All the Pharisees, all the teachers, they gasp. I can't believe can't believe he just did that. <laughs> Here's what I love about this church and what I love about the God of the Bible is that we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. We, God doesn't draw lines and go, no, you don't qualify. Listen to me today if you're giving church another chance. If you're, if you're just about to give up on faith, if it's, if it's just about the limit, that you've, if, if, if the stones have piled against you so much, you're just about done. I want you to know you walked in the perfect church that doesn't draw lines and say, you don't fit, you don't qualify, you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, you don't know enough, you're not spiritual enough. You didn't come from the right place. No. 
we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines and say, hey, don't you let God touch you right where you are. As a matter of fact, that's my prayer for you now with your head bowed and your eyes closed. That you'd let God touch you right where you are. If this message is for you, I don't have time to play around, so just be honest and bold with God. If this message is for you, just raise your hand and say, this is for me. Hands up all over the house. God, there's grown men and husbands and wives that need help. Keep your hand up as an act of faith to God. God, there's funeral processions. And on top of that coffin is my peace, my marriage, my joy, my purpose. And I walked in church today needing in a resurrection. And I feel like you see me, but I need you to touch me. So God, I pray for every hand raised that you do just that. Do what I can't do, Holy Spirit. Move in these aisles. Walk around a chair. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, I see you. I see you in your struggle. I see you in the stress that keeps you up at night. I see you in the worry. I see you in the deep depression, the darkness that creeps in when the sun goes down. I see you in the insecurity of purpose. I see you. I see you when you don't know how this is going to work out. I see you grasping for straws. What do I do next? Where do I go next? How do I keep all the balls in the air? I'm juggling everything I know. What do I do now? I see you. God, I pray you touch their heart. God, before I give them any other tool to deal with their struggle, I just pray you touch them. Holy Spirit, touch them. Come on, ask God for that. God, touch this part of my life. You tell Him. You don't have to say it out loud. Just whisper, God, you know. God, you you know this part. You know this area I've held. God, you know this thing I've been holding on to. God, you know this anxiety that's crippling. You know this thing that's got my chest so tight. You know this thing that I can't get out of. You know. know, I can't even tell my spouse. I can't tell anybody, but you know. So, So touch me. So God, touch. Just one touch from God can fix everything. Just one touch from Jesus can resurrect a hopeless situation. Just one touch can help you when you're unsettled, when you're anxious, when you're depressed, when you're hopeless. Just one touch. He notices you. He sees you. God, I thank you today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's moving in the room bringing us close. Put your hands down. If you've never come to God in faith, I want to give you a chance. I don't want to end today without giving you an opportunity to come to God with your whole life. I'm overwhelmed with emotion today at just how many people. I know my hand is up. I know the struggle. the struggle. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, it's where it all begins. You really can't move to freedom until you find salvation and hope. I'm giving you a Jesus today that offers you hope and a new life. He doesn't just want to make you a better you. He wants to make you brand new. So if you've never prayed a prayer of surrender or you're far from God, 
and you need to come home today. I'm reaching for people who need to rededicate your life to Christ. It's just cold. It's not vibrant. Would you just say this prayer with me? I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for the cross. In it, you showed how much you loved me, that you died for me, that you were buried. I believe God raised you from the dead. Here's the part you have to pray with all of your heart. So take my life. I give you every part of me. All of my secrets. All of my hang-ups. All of my hopes. I give you my whole life. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.